This evening the title of my sermon is He is Risen. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. I'm going to read the first eight verses. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment or his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly, and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And, behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre, or the tomb, with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. Look again at verse 6 there. The angel, what the angel said concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not here. For he is risen, as he said. On various occasions, the Lord Jesus Christ has said that he would be put to death by crucifixion and that he would rise from the dead. It didn't come as a surprise to the Lord Jesus Christ when it happened. For example, on his way to Jerusalem, It's written in Matthew chapter 20, verse 18 and 19, that Jesus said to his apostles, to the twelve, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes. So Jesus knew in advance that he would be betrayed by Judas Iscariot. Again, no surprises there. And they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. Jesus said it all there, didn't he, in that statement. The betrayal, death by crucifixion and his resurrection. Also there's chapter 16, verse 21, where it is written, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Just thinking of... uh, our consideration this morning, the triumphal 
entry into Jerusalem. When Jesus was riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, he knew that he was going to his death by crucifixion. But anyway, so that Jesus said what he said in chapter 16 verse 21 about his death and being raised again the third day. Yet in the very next verse, it is written that Peter took him and began to rebuke him. A disciple of Jesus rebuking him, rebuking the incarnate Son of God. Rebuked him saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And let me just remind you, chapter 16 of Matthew, that's the same chapter where Peter had declared, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, that wonderful confession of faith. And yet, still, just a little bit on from that confession, we see Peter rebuking the Christ, the Son of the living God. That inability of Peter to understand and accept what Jesus had just said came hot on the hills, on the heels rather, of that great declaration. As such, great was Peter's faith that he should make such a declaration concerning the divinity of Jesus, but he did not yet have the faith to believe that Jesus would be crucified and that he would be resurrected from the dead he couldn't compute that when Mary Magdalene looked into the tomb two angels asked her why she was weeping and she said because they have taken away my Lord then she saw Jesus standing outside the tomb she didn't understand either she thought that he was the gardener Then there was the Apostle Thomas, after the Lord Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. Thomas refused to believe that Jesus was risen until he saw the risen Saviour for himself. Clearly the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was and still is a major stumbling block to faith. We've just seen how slow the ones who were with him how slow they were to believe. Having been with him for three years. But after the resurrection and the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ to heavenly glory, when you come to read about the Apostle Paul, that's a different thing altogether. What he said, what he did, you'll see that even though Paul was determined not to know anything amongst the people except Jesus Christ and him crucified, he also never seemed to miss an opportunity to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus. For example, in Acts chapter 17, verse 1 through to 3, it is written, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis, And Apollyona, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, so this is something he he did regularly, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days, 
reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. And that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. So why was it of the utmost importance to know and believe that not only was the Lord Jesus Christ crucified, but also that he is risen from the dead. What is the big deal about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? It was clearly important for the Apostle Paul, as was his custom. He went into the synagogue, he preached Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead. For one thing, Jesus said that he would rise from the dead. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we're told that God, who at sundry times or at various times, and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, have in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. God used to speak through the prophets, but now finally he speaks to the people through his Son. As such, to not believe that Jesus is risen as he said he would rise from the dead is to not believe God who speaks through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't believe what Jesus was saying there is to not believe God. There's no reason to reject anything that God has said through his prophets and there's certainly no reason to reject anything that he has said by his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is himself very God. Secondly, the resurrection was a declaration that the man, Christ Jesus, is God. I'll read to you Romans chapter 1. We're going to be looking around a little bit. Basically, you don't have to keep your finger in Matthew chapter 28. Romans chapter 1. Let's see what Paul said in verses 3 and 4. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Verse 3, which refers to the humanity of Jesus, tells us that he was made or born of the seed of David, that is, that he is a descendant of King David. And again, we saw that this morning, didn't we? That he will sit on the throne of David and that his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom from Isaiah chapter 9, prophecy of Isaiah. But verse 3 here in Romans chapter 1 is telling us that he is the descendant of David as to his humanity. Then when you look at verse 4, obviously no one is made or born God. And so we read that Jesus was declared to be the son of God. With regards, verse 3, when the eternal Son of God came into the world, 
He was born of a virgin in Bethlehem. He made himself of no reputation, though he was rich. For your sake, dear Christian, he became poor, in order that through his poverty you might become rich. He was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, where he bare your sins in his own body, that you, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. That lowly state of condescension and humiliation would not last forever. And that is what the next verse, Romans chapter 1 verse 4, is telling us. Upon his resurrection from the dead, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power. Thirdly, Jesus was raised again for our justification. I'm still in Romans here. I don't have too many more references, but Romans chapter 4, verse 25, says of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was delivered for our offences and was raised again for our justification. So, so far, what have we, what have we considered here? That Jesus said he would rise from the dead and he spoke, uh, God sent him, God spoke through his son and Jesus is God himself, the son of God, the eternal son of God. Secondly, we've seen that the resurrection of Jesus was a declaration of that he is the, the son of God with power. And thirdly, that he, we see here in Romans chapter 4 verse 25 that he was raised again for our justification. When God delivered his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for our offences, it was in accordance with his eternal plan to deliver helpless and hopeless sinners like you and me from captivity to sin, to Satan, and from everlasting destruction in hellfire. Those who by the grace of God believe that Jesus was obedient in life and in death as their substitute are eternally saved and they are justified with the righteousness of God. But also, as can be seen in verse 25, the Christian's right standing before a holy and righteous God is not only ascribed to the sacrificial death of Jesus, but also to his resurrection. In other words, dear Christian, you stand holy and without blame before God in a crucified and risen Saviour. Quite simply, there is no gospel, no good news without the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus is still in the grave, then those who believe in him believe in a dead saviour. They are without hope and they are to be either pitied or ridiculed. But the good news is that Jesus is risen from the dead and all who are trusting in him are crucified with Christ 
and risen with him to everlasting life, planted with him in death and raised up to newness of life in the risen Saviour. I'm sure everyone knows John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that everlasting life is in the risen Saviour. Fourthly, Jesus is coming again in judgment. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 18, Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. God has committed all judgment to his Son. Hence the reference to the Lord Jesus Christ having the keys of hell and of death. Can you imagine that? Jesus is not only risen from the dead, he is alive forevermore. And he is coming again to judge everyone who has ever lived. That is, all who will still be alive in the world when Jesus comes again, and also all who are in the grave. As Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 28, Marvel not at this, for the hour or the time is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. Jesus was speaking about the judgment. All will hear his voice. When that time comes, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and everyone shall give an account of himself to God. Everyone who has ever lived. And the time for people to insist that when you're dead, you're dead, and that includes Jesus, if Jesus ever existed, that is, that will all come to an end. Instead, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father as they stand before the risen Son of God. To all who have not trusted in Jesus, Jesus the righteous judge will say, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, and they shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. If you were not already convinced Are you now convinced by the word of God that the Lord Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, having been crucified, having been put to death on that cross for sinners, where he bare in his own body the sins of those he came to save? If your answer is yes, then for you the most important thing, the most urgent thing to do now is to acknowledge to God, that you have sinned against him. You have sinned in that that you have not done the things that you ought to have done. You have not loved God with all your 
heart, with your mind, with your soul, with all your strength, as indeed you ought to. You have not loved your neighbour as yourself, as indeed you ought to. You have sinned, you come short of the glory of God. Now is the time to acknowledge these things and receive Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as your Saviour and your Lord, who was delivered for your offences and raised again for your justification. Then with all the redeemed of the Lord, feed and feast on your risen Saviour as you read beautiful Bible passages about your relationship with the risen Saviour and your walk with him. Passages such as Psalm 23, where it is written, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Jesus, the risen Saviour, with his people all the time. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a wonderful gospel message God has given us, that he sent his son into the world to be delivered for our offences, to be raised again for our justification. And those who have shown repentance towards God and trusted in the risen Saviour will one day be with him forevermore, their great God and Saviour. Amen.